You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. New CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost, everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. How you survive, you make quick, smart decisions. If you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. This is with the first pick, the CBS Sports NFL Draft Podcast. This is episode 52. I'm Ryan Wilson. That's Rick Spielman. And today, we're wrapping up our division-by-division look at how each team did in the draft with the AFC and NFC West. And if you missed it last week, we did the AFC and NFC East with our guy, Lee J. Doosable, and the AFC and NFC South with our guy, our other guy, Mayor Jacksonville Pete Prisco. And then Rick and I hit the old AFC and NFC North on Monday. All those podcasts are in the feed. If you want to check those out, please do. And coming up, according to Debo here, we have a draft mailbag on Memorial Day because we always work. Rick has bills to pay. He's trying to rub two nickels together to pay for his 40,000-square-foot house on the water, but that's another conversation. <laughs> <laughs> you can ask questions about it in the mailbag. So start sending your questions in via Apple Podcast, Twitter, at NFL Draft CBS, or in our YouTube comments section. Uh, Rick, is there any question that you will not answer? No, uh, I would like to cover the uh, XFL, you know, and how we, uh, the XFL draft and the USFL. I talked to Devo, and congratulations. You have been selected, just you, not me, to go to every XFL Pro Day. So look forward to Rick <laughs> on site doing the XFL Pro Days. And uh, as always, you can watch us live on YouTube at NFL on CBS. Give us a thumbs up while you're there. And if you're on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, leave us a five star review. And today's Rick's Paramount Plus Challenge Challenge. Jeez, have, it was hard last week. I couldn't get through it last week. What's last this challenge? Monday's challenge was Rick could not laugh at his own joke. That lasted 12 seconds. This <laughs> challenge, as put forth by Debo, you have to go the entire show without mispronouncing a player's name. All right. So what's next week's challenge? <laughs> wave my white flag now. He's giving up, Debo. <laughs> and worth noting, I forgot to mention this. Uh, our guy, uh, Adi Joseph, uh, one of the managing editors here, was responsible for getting the Paramount Plus subscription. So hopefully you'll get to uh, to get that thing going. But you got to you got to pass the challenge here. So we'll see. Yeah, I know. But uh, let me see if I still have it. I just watched yeah. the debut of the Sly Stallone show. Excellent, Rick. Oh, really? Yeah. The Look, reality show. I have my Paramount Plus chapstick <laughs> that I got. That's the only thing I've gotten that has Paramount Plus on it. You could have gotten the koozie. He chose the chapstick when he did the Family Feud style uh, fan event at the Super Bowl. But, all right, fingers crossed you can pr- pronounce everyone's name correctly. Um, my name is Ryan. That's Devo producing, so you got those two out of the way. Don't have, don't ask me to say Debo's last name. We gotta save that to the end. <laughs> okay, we'll save that to the end. <laughs> what letter is it? What letter does it start with? A D. Oh, there you go. All right, there you go. We're halfway there. All right, let's get to this thing. Let's start with AFC West here. And the Raiders. So I gave the Raiders Rick an A. And we'll go quickly through who they took there. Uh pick seven. They took Tyree Wilson, the edge rusher. They were turned out never really on a quarterback. And uh, so Will Levis was sitting there. They weren't going to take him, and they've been off of him for a while. So they get Tyree Will, uh, Wilson at seven. The foot issue will be the thing, but I think if he's healthy, that's a slam dunk home run to mix sports metaphors. Then they came back at the top of round two, got Michael Mayer, the tight end out of Notre Dame. Uh, many people's tight end one, myself included. Was he your tight end one? No. Who was yours? Kincaid. Oh, okay. Kincaid is a, after a better. he passed his back physical. Right. After his uh, fractured back was healed. And Dalton Kincaid ended up going in the first round to the Bills. Michael Mayer here at the top of round two. Byron Young, the interior defensive lineman out of Alabama, 
uh, one of my favorite players, one of Rick's favorite players, a rat hole player, I think is what Rick described him early on in the process. Uh, he goes, they need help in the interior. So they got him, Trey Tucker, uh, the explosive wide receiver slash returner, undersized out of Cincinnati in round three. Jacorian Bennett, I thought he had a chance to go on, on day two, goes to the top of day three. The cornerback out of Maryland played opposite um, Deontay Banks. Then Aiden O'Connell for death behind Jimmy G. That makes sense there. Christopher Smith, the safety out of Georgia as well. I liked him a lot. Undersized, uh, but a really smart player. Uh, Amari Burnley, linebacker out of Florida. We saw him at the pro day. Um, a little surprised he got drafted, but he went to the bottom round six. And that point, at that point, as you point out all the time, Rick, you're throwing darts, hoping to find a diamond in the rough. And finally, Nesta Jade Silvera, the interior defensive lineman out of Arizona State, went in round seven. Uh, I think, man, my favorite pick is Tyree Wilson, but it, because that's obvious. But my second favorite pick might be Byron Young because they need a lot of help in the interior. What did you like about this draft? Yeah, did, did I? Do we talk about what my boss once told me when I was a young scout coming up, and we talked about darts here no. at the end of the? Uh, he told me, and that you had to stick your hand up a lot of goat's rear ends to find that diamond. <laughs> so, <laughs> just yeah, and so what that meant, it took me five years to figure that out before I. Uh, found the diamond in a goat's arse, but it's, uh, that's what you do. You keep searching, you keep searching, you keep searching. And eventually, hopefully you're able to pull a diamond out somewhere. So that well, was another way we, uh, termed, uh, look under every rock. Was Robert Porsche that diamond or was that, who was the diamond? Robert Porsche was my first draft ever. My first report I ever wrote was oh. major Harris. Oh, oh, quarterback out of West Virginia. West Virginia. And I remember going to West Virginia. It was handwritten because there were no computers at the time. We were using the uh, paper with the paper underneath. And so when you had to write hard so you can get an automatic copy underneath it. Yeah. Carbon paper, I think is what you said. Yeah, to carbon copy paper. Uh, and it took me three hours to probably write about eight sentences because I scribbled about 22 times I went through all my <laughs> supply of carbon copy paper. Because whiteout doesn't work if you mess up. Well, I figured out if you keep, you use whiteout on top, <laughs> and, uh, use whiteout on the bottom. So on the, so it was a learning experience, but it's amazing. You know, the first time that you evaluate someone and you're looking at it on tape and that's different. Now, how do I describe it in words? And right. that takes, some time and that's a lot you know when young scouts first get started out now they have reports that they can use for references to read to read the language but i didn't have any of that back in the day they just said sink or swim uh here's your area from west virginia to miami of florida drive it and uh, go out there and and, and start and let me ask you this not to get too far down this rabbit hole but now you actually have like a week or whatever training sessions for the scouts, right? The new scouts. Is that true? Yeah. What we did for our young guys and our interns, um, we had training sessions, but what we did was we actually set up them coming to the facility one morning. Uh, and we did this during the summer when it was downtime and they were coming to the facility, like it was a school call. So I would be like oh. the head coach, uh, one guy would be this, you know, they have to go and talk to the strength coach. They'd have to go talk to the trainer. They'd have to go talk. And then we'd throw little uh, hiccups in there. Like the trainer was too busy to talk to him that day. How do you get information? So hey. we actually had them come in, how they conduct themselves, how they were dressed that day, because you're representing the organization. So you don't come in in t-shirts and flip-flops. Um, <laughs> Prisco's out. <laughs> yeah, so Prisco's out. So that's why he never made it as a scout, a wannabe scout. That's what he's always been, a wannabe. Um, but how you conduct interviews with the people in the building. Uh, you know, a couple guys were creative, brought in bagels and donuts. Um, mm. So it was, uh, they had that whole day, and then they had to write their reports at the end of the day after they watched all the videotape and stuff and did all their uh, interviews with everybody in the building. And then, uh, we would look at them and the next morning they come in and then we would critique them on everything they did. And you so it's a great way to kind of develop the young guys. That's why I always believed in bringing in interns and let them learn your system, let them yeah. go through a cycle. And then if they pass that test, 
then we would start sending them to some of the small schools, uh, maybe three or four schools during the fall, just to go out there mm. and kind of get their feet wet. So that's a whole developmental process, just like it is with players or anything else. And you got none of that training. <laughs> you just said I got none of that training. It was fact, my, I was so excited when I got my Blesto, the combine scouting job. Uh, I quit my job where I was at. I put in my two weeks notice as soon as I found out that I was going to. And I was so excited. I was living in Columbus and I had to drive. My first school visit was in, uh, where was that? Oh, Lenore Ryan. Yeah, North Carolina, baby. In North Carolina where I went down. So I drove down. I got from Columbus, Ohio to West Virginia. And I look in my back of the car. And I forgot my suitcase because I was going to be out on the road for two weeks. <laughs> Didn't bring anything. Just jumped. You were in a so car. excited. So I had to drive three hours back, <laughs> go get my uh, supplies and suitcase. Uh, I couldn't call my wife. There was no cell phone, so I had to pull over to pay phone and call her. She had to accept the uh, collect call. Oh my gosh! And then uh, turn around and drove back down. I was like four hours late uh, for where I was supposed to be at the school. Did you ever, uh, all right, this 30 seconds, then we'll keep going on. Cause I'm actually curious about this. Did you ever lose any reports? Cause again, if they're handwritten, you don't have them stored on your computer. No, that was the one thing is that they said it's, you know, I don't care <laughs> if you drop over or you're getting a car wrecked. The one thing is protect those reports <laughs> and make sure that you put them in an envelope after you're done. So if anyone finds you on side of the road or you're <laughs> stranded, they could at least send the reports back to the, to the office. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Cause I would imagine that was I mean, old school. That would, that would, would, would be what would terrorize me. Would, would uh, traumatize me if I lost those reports or the, the fear of losing those reports. I couldn't, I couldn't handle the. Well, traveling with you this spring, it's uh, the fear would have been you just trying to find the uh, football office that, and trying to navigate yourself around. That's true. I thought you were going to say finding a, a Denny's. I can find the Denny's. I can't oh, find yeah, You can find somewhere to eat. You can find a good coffee shop. But as far as doing your job and finding a football <laughs> facility, that hey, was the whole question. We're all good at something, and it's important to know what you're good at. Don't stay in your lane is what I like to tell my kids. Stay in your lane. All right. Everyone has a role. That's right. Everyone has a role. So I gave the Raiders an A for that draft. I thought they did a really good job. I think, um, you know, Jimmy G has to be healthy, and, and that'll be a huge part of their success. Uh, as it will be in that division. But I think these players are all players that make sense. I'll make this team better. And there weren't any sort of head-scratching picks uh, for me. I would imagine you're okay with the Aiden O'Connell pick as well, just because you need depth. Yeah, and you know what? It, that's a quarterback that probably a Josh McDaniels would like, just because it's the taller, not as athletic, the Tom Brady's of the world. Maybe they think they can find a, a, a nugget down there because he is an accurate passer, just not. The question is, do these type of quarterbacks, can they still play in today's NFL game the no. way the NFL game has changed? But th if it was 10 years ago, he may have gotten drafted higher. Right. And I agree with that. All right. Let's go to the Chargers. I gave them a B plus, And it started in the first round with Quentin Johnston. So he's sort of like Mike Williams in terms of body type. And we talked throughout the draft process when we did 45 million mock drafts about how Keenan Allen's in his 30s. He's never been fleet of foot, but he's a great route runner. Uh, but you need depth behind them. They have Josh Palmer as well. But I think uh, I've yet to find a quarterback that didn't want to have a huge target of wide receiver, and Quentin Johnson certainly provides that. Then they got Tuli Tupelotu in the second round. We talked to him at the Combine. He flew under the draft radar throughout the entire process, media-wise. But I, I liked a lot of, of what he had on tape. He's listed at 290 here. I think he weighed 266 at the Combine. So the question is, where is he going to play? They need help in, on the interior defensive line. We talked to Pete Prisco about that back in the pre-draft process podcast, and he doesn't necessarily give you that unless they're going to pack some weight on him. We'll see. And then Dayon Henley, one of your favorite players, uh, the explosive athletic linebacker out of Washington State. Then another little spark plug returner slash wide receiver. I think Darius Davis is more, more going to be uh, targeted as a return guy. They got some depth along the offensive line with Jordan McFadden out of Clemson. And then Scott Matlock, a, a guy that I heard about late in the process, uh, plays along the defensive line at Boise State. I, I actually liked him a lot. I thought he had a chance to be a top 100 guy. Ended up going around six. And then finally, Max Duggan, uh, again, another depth quarterback behind, uh, in this case, Justin Herbert. Um, my favorite pick might be the intrigue of Tuli Tupelotu. 
I don't know where he's going to play, but they need help along the defensive line. What would you like, Rick? Yeah, I, I thought this was a solid draft. The question I had, uh, you know, would Quentin Johnson, when they still, I believe, had Flowers on the board and still had Addison on the board, if I'm not mistaken, would you still went with – they decided to go with the bigger, longer guy on the outside uh, to fit the mold of their receivers. But if you had uh, the receivers that they have on the outside right now, could a Zay Flowers or a uh, Addison been someone that you look at in the slot? Because I don't think they have a true slot receiver. They have three big receivers on the outside right now. Hey, Rick, let me ask you, what about Quentin Johnson playing a, playing a, lot, a good amount in the slot? I TCU? think because he's big, people think big automatically that he has to be an outside guy. Right. But I do think his movement skills, and we talked about this a lot, the movement skills are of a smaller receiver especially his run after catch and his ability to wiggle and make things happen after the catch. So it could be a potential slot receiver uh, to go along with uh, Williams and Keenan Allen. So, but I don't know. There was some, could you went with a Flowers uh, or Addison before a Johnson? Because there was, there was a lot of jockeying going on uh, through this receiver class, especially in the first round when, uh, you know, on how it all shook out. But you can see uh, right there, right next after he went, you know, Zay Flowers went to Baltimore and then Addison, that was the run on the receivers right, right there. So it'll be interesting to see how these three end up after three years when we reassess this draft, if they were right taking Johnson over Flowers or Addison. Let me ask you this. Did you at any point uh, as a GM, whether it was with um, Kirk Cousins or another quarterback, would you ask? For example, Kirk Cousins about whether he liked Justin Jefferson or, or no. okay, you just you did it because I maybe no, they asked Justin but, Herbert right. what he wanted. You, you see that example right there that we just had up. That would have been a full day cluster study, right? To make sure that we studied all three of those guys as a group and with the coaches uh, to watch all three of those receivers to come up with who we thought would be best for us. So. They were all, that's where that run went. I think four went total or three went total in a row. Four went, who went after? Uh, uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba was first, and then it was Quentin, then it was Zay, and then okay. it was Jordan. Okay. Well, in that three run, that would have been a great cluster study to sit there and go through it and watch everything and then come up with how you would stack those, that cluster. So, right. We just made it. If uh, Debo has any chance, we should make a note on that and try to uh, reassess uh, that's a good idea right or not look at that you're trying to trying to do debo's job <laughs> well that's i'm just trying to contribute any way i can in my supporting acting role here <laughs> okay all right let's take a quick break we'll come back with we'll the other two teams in the afc west before we get to ricks on the nfc west did you know that while over 60 percent of americans dream of starting their own business less than 20 percent of them take the first step the reason building a business is tough Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey. From launching and managing to growing your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner from launch to success. With Taylor Brands, building your dream business becomes an effortless experience. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, ensuring you have everything you need in one place. From LLC formation to bookkeeping, invoicing to acquiring licenses and permits, and even setting up your bank account, Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash CBS Sports. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash CBS Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. Let's go! It's the most all-star studded challenge ever. And this time, it's every competitor for themselves. The Challenge All-Stars. New season now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply. Rick, it's a major time on the golf calendar, and the First Cut Podcast has you covered with comprehensive coverage of the PGA Championship from Oak Hill Country Club in Rochester, New York. Join Kyle Porter, Rick Gaiman, and the gang for daily recaps uh, from the aforementioned Rochester as they follow the sport's top stars on their quest for the Wanamaker Trophy. Download and follow the First Cut podcast wherever you find this one the guys are on scene our guy joe musso was there in rochester 
with the HQ coverage. So check that out. Hit the old QR code there if you're watching on YouTube or search them wherever you get your podcast. If right, Debo would have uh, got us a sponsorship or something, maybe we could did the podcast from the uh, – Is that's not too far from your house, is it? No, it's not, just over an hour away. Yeah, it would been nice. I, I could have flown up there, and me and you could have done the podcast right from the PGA Championship. I would have to – I would have to driven to Columbus to pick you up though, because that's the only place you fly up north and with the driven drive back to Rochester. But I would have done it for you, Rick. All right. Let's take a look at the old Chiefs here. I gave him a C plus. And look, maybe I'm just missing something. And you just said it a moment ago. You, you gotta wait three years to figure this out. But I the Felix Anaduke Uzama pick, I get it. They need edge rush help. I wonder if they had talked to the Titans. There were reports that the Titans tried to trade back up to get. Will Levis at the bottom of round one. They instead got him with the second pick in round two. I wonder if the Colts, uh, the Chiefs, excuse me, were a team that they called. Either way, this pick I don't, I don't have any issue with. Uh, the Rashi Rice pick I do have some some issues with because I feel like we saw him at the Senior Bowl. We both watched him play in the fall, and while he ran, he may have run a sub four five, like a four four seven or something. He did not play that fast, <clears throat> and he's not a replacement for Juju Smith Schuster. Same body type. Uh, he played mostly outside. Juju can line up anywhere. Juju's now in New England. So I guess they're hoping that Sky Moore takes the next step in terms of progressing and that Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey can do the heavy lifting, so on and so forth. I get that, and I, I'm going to give the Chiefs the benefit of the doubt here because they've done pretty well uh, over the last decade or so. But I just didn't love the pick. Wanya Morris, a third-round pick, uh, late in the third, the tackle out of Oklahoma. We both liked him. He had a really good senior bowl. Chamari Connor, uh, fourth round. Maybe a little rich for me, but I, I get it. The safety out of Virginia Tech, uh, B.J. Thompson, the edge rusher, Stephen Fawson went late in round five. Uh, Keandre Colburn, the defensive tackle out of Texas. Um, upside guy, like to see him play the higher motor. Uh, he went in round six, but, I mean, again, throwing darts here. And then finally, Nick Jones, uh, the cornerback out of Ball State, with their final pick near the bottom of, of round seven. I, I didn't love it. I, I don't hate it. I gave, that's why I gave it like a C plus, which is just above average. What do you think, Rick? Yeah, well, first of all, you gave me the answer to the test. I thought that would have been your first question to win for me to win a Paramount Plus pass. Oh yeah. Saying, See, you're not you're not on your A game today. I I blew that one. My bad. Yeah, you should have said, "Hey, Rick, what do you think of this first pick? I really liked it. Can you say his name?" And what would you have said? Uh, no. I would have said, "Yeah, I said I could. I would have definitely said his name correct because I liked him." You still have that opportunity, by the way. <laughs> no. I can do it. All right, go for it. Uh, Felix and Yuduke Uzama. What's the ruling, Debo? He's he's still on the running for the gift card. Uh, that was a good one. I'll give you that one. All right, fair enough. But it's it's not fair, Debo, because he gave me the answer to the test. No, I can say a bunch of names and have you repeat them, and we still might have you lose the bet. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you liked uh, Felix and Yuduke Uzama. What where are you on Rishi Rice? I was just okay with him here. Uh, I think they needed to add speed. I know they got Kadarius Tony, who I think teaser if we ever do some breakout players of the year uh, down the road here for 2023. He's one of my one of my players that I think he'll break out. Sky Moore is a slot receiver um, that is shifty, quicker than fast. You know they lost Juju Smith Schuster, went to New England, so they didn't add speed to this group. Uh, that other player, <laughs> Valdez Scantling. Oh yeah, uh, gives them a vertical threat down the uh, down the field. But I thought they would add more speed here. Now, Rasheed Rice is a uh, contested catch guy, very good body control. I just didn't think he added speed, uh, but he may fit their system. Uh, the guy I kind of liked was Wani Morris a little bit. I thought that he kind of stuck out down at the senior bowl as a right tackle. Yeah. I think he's a very good athlete. I think he's raw with his technique, but I think he has tremendous upside. I thought he had a good pre-draft process, so I was kind of excited uh, to see him. I wasn't too thrilled with their Saturday picks, to be honest with you. All right. No, uh, we're in agreement here. Uh, this is one of the lowest graded teams I had this draft round. Uh, but again, we'll we'll figure it out. We'll find out together if it's good or not. All right, let's go to Denver where the Broncos did not have very many picks. Five by my count. We'll see if I'm right about that. That said, Rick, I gave him an A. They started in round two with Marvin Mims. Incredibly smart young man, but also an incredibly athletic, game-changing wide receiver slash returner. So I, I think he 
don't know if he makes a lot of sense because they have they already have a ton of guys at the wide receiver position, including uh, KJ Hamler, who fits a similar role. But you pointed this out previously. Maybe one of these cor- uh, wide receivers will be on the move. Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, Sutton, excuse me, Tim Patrick. So we'll see how this sorts itself out. But I, I like the pick uh, in that he's a good football player and he will help Russell Wilson. Uh, then in the third round, a lot of us had him as linebacker one. Jack Campbell ended up taking that, those honors. Jack, uh, Drew Sanders transfer from Alabama, where he played mostly outside, to Arkansas, where he played a lot of off ball. Tall, rangy, fast, athletic. Doesn't take on a lot of blocks, but not many off ball linebackers do these days. Then uh, Rick's guy, Riley Moss, went uh, uh, later in round three. Yeah, they traded up to go get him. So Pete insists that he's going to play safety, but I think he he has some pretty good tape at cornerback, had a good senior bowl at cornerback. Either way, he's one of the smartest players in this draft class. Basically, if you go watch him play, he does things that don't even make sense. Uh, and he's a really good athlete. J.L. Skinner, the safety out of Boise, went in round six. If he would choose to tackle people, he would have been a top 100 pick, but that was a, a big issue for me. He's a big a big player. I don't know if he weighs 220. That's what he's listed here, but he's 6'4". And then Alex Forsyth, uh, Offensive line depth on the interior out of Oregon with their final pick in round seven. Uh, what'd you what'd you think about this? Yeah, I, I really like this draft class. I'd have to agree with you on, on what you what you talked about here. The you know, I think Mims brings them juice, which to me, when you look at their depth chart at receiver now, you got Hamler who's always has issues with durability. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if one of these uh, receivers will get moved before the season starts since they went and got Marvin Mims, and I believe they had to trade up to go get him as well. Uh, Drew Sanders, I think, with that defense, that he, he can do many things with him. I love that pick. I loved Riley Moss. I think they'll keep him at corner. Uh, maybe some Nick, but I think he's an outside corner if he fails there you know, he's probably going to be good enough to line up and start at free safety because of his instincts and his ability to tackle. Skinner, I agree with. And the underrated guy that uh, I thought was on this was Alex uh, Forseth, the uh, center from Oregon, who's not the most body beautiful, but I think he's a really (laughs) good football player. You know who he reminded me of? Yeah. John Sullivan, when we uh, took him out of Notre Dame. Wow. Uh, in the later rounds, I think fifth or sixth round back when we and John Sullivan ended up having a, a very good career. So I could see uh, something like that happening with Alex as well down the road. I believe and I could be wrong, but I believe Forsyth was the player who had an opportunity to go to the senior bowl and pulled out at the last minute. Yeah. I, yep. I think that was the one that I was complaining about. Right. OK, because he didn't compete, but it, it may have been. Apple, yep. For all the Young fine, young fine men out there that decide to have their agents make decisions for them. Look at everyone who didn't run, f- probably fell farther than they thought they were going to fall, uh, be- or they didn't work out uh, in the spring at their pro days or at the combine. And then when they decide to pull out uh, of some of these all-star games, I think it, it really does affect their draft status. And yeah. Ryan, I, I hate to do this. I think Rick just eliminated himself with Alex Forsyth. Oh, I thought you were gonna say he called him Forsyth. That's I was gonna give him a pass on that, but then wow. he said, then he said young fine men. I was gonna absolutely uh, disqualify him on the, he get, he got my saying wrong. So maybe uh, next time, Rick. <laughs> Tune in Monday. Tune in Monday. <laughs> Why get some chapstick for being a participant today or no? Yeah, you get chapstick for sure. You've earned the chapstick. <laughs> Dang. Young, fine man. That's disrespectful. All right. Let's take a quick break, and then Rick will uh, mispronounce some names in the NFC West when we come back right after this. <laughs> From the world of Sonic the Hedgehog, a new hero arrives. I am ready. Is there anyone stronger? No. <laughs> Tougher? No. Funnier? I do not make jokes. I make warriors. Knuckles. Now streaming only on Paramount+. Plus. Yes! This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball and baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does. <laughs> Nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. <laughs> 
And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. We're just taunting Rick with these these commercials. If you're watching on YouTube, you saw the Scream commercial now streaming on Paramount Plus. If you're on on audio, it was commercial for Scream now streaming on Paramount Plus. And Rick will have to wait at least until Monday for an opportunity to watch it. So everyone else, go check it out. Let us know what you think. And we'll get Rick's review whenever he decides to pass the test. <laughs> uh, all right. And uh, as always, you can watch us live on YouTube at NFL on CBS. Give us a thumbs up. If you're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, leave us a five-star review. All right, Rick, let's get to the NFC West. We'll start with the Seahawks, a team that I thought had a really good draft. You did too, apparently. You gave them an A. Let's see what they did here. Devin Witherspoon at the top, fifth overall. Love it. Then they come back and get Jackson Smith and Jigba at 20th on that run of wide receivers we talked about earlier. Then at the top of round two, they get Derek Hall, the edge rusher out of Auburn. He, he's um, a little twitch, can be stiff at times, but he he feels like a Seahawks pick. Then they get some depth at running back behind Ken Walker, the third, and Zach Charbonneau out of, or Charbonneau, excuse me, out of Michigan. Ah, you lose your Paramount Plus prescription. <laughs> <laughs> he called it prescription, Devo. <laughs> I, uh, I, I can't even I keep laughing at my own jokes. <laughs> he was so excited to make fun of me. Uh Zach Charbonnet, UCLA by way of Michigan. And then Anthony Bradford, interior offensive lineman out of LSU. They get him in round four. Then Cameron Young, the defensive lineman out of Mississippi State, add depth there uh later in round four. Mike Morris, the edge rusher out of Michigan, uh in round five, a few picks later. Uh you want you want to do this center for Michigan, or you want me to take? I, it? I already lost, so go ahead. I'm I'm like dejected for the rest of the show. <laughs> a few picks later to get Mike Morris's teammate Olu Oluwatimi, uh, the center there. He had some some de- depth, and then finally Kenny McIntosh, another running back. They get in round seven, and uh, in the round before that, excuse me, they got Jarek Reed, uh, the safety out of New Mexico. So let me just ask you philosophically, Zach Charbonnet and Kenny McIntosh. How many running backs? Is this an indication that we're just going to run the ball until the wheels fall off of these guys? No, I just think that that's running back by committee up there. And okay. they had success last year. Walker had some durability issues last year, and you want to make sure you have enough depth behind your lead dog, uh, especially if he's going to miss time. And I think he has to be able to uh, show that he can line up for 17 games and stay healthy. So to me, you have to have enough running backs because of the durability concerns of, of Walker. Uh, Debo, here's a quick fact for you <laughs> that I know because you do so much research for this show that, that the Seattle Seahawks have drafted 11 running backs in the past 10 drafts. Jeez. That's a lot of runners. That's a lot of running backs. So I think that's the highest among any any other team. How many so they have? Do you think you drafted in your last 10 drafts? Oh, oh. Like How many? Six or seven? Maybe. Yeah. yeah. After Madison, Dalvin, 10 drafts. That doesn't count Adrian Peterson. So we'll have to look into that. But Zach Charbonnet, second round pick this year. Ken Walker, the third, second round pick last year. Some people might say that's too rich, but it feels like it, it fits this offense to what they want to do. Yeah. You know, you don't want, and Geno Smith, give him credit. Um, for the season he had last year. But to me, I still don't think he's a quarterback that you want to throw 40, 50 times a no. game and win. You want to be able to play good defense. They have an excellent defense. Uh, now with the addition of some of these guys, um, I think I, I, I should correct myself. They didn't have an excellent – they have some excellent young talent on the defense, and they added to that this year. Yep. And then if you can uh, control the clock by running the ball – uh, the weather conditions get out, out there in Seattle are not always conducive of throwing the ball 30, 40 times a game. So if you can control the clock and play good defense, uh, they probably are the lead dog right now. Um, although San Francisco's got a very good football team. We'll talk about them in a minute. Uh, another teaser that I learned from my <laughs> broadcasting school um, that, uh, that they're going to be in the battle with Seattle, I think, to take this division. Uh, before we move on, let me ask you quickly about Mike Morris, the edge rusher they drafted in the, in the fifth round. We both watched him in the fall, and he's a get-off-the-bus guy, but he's not a consistency on the field guy. What are you expecting when you draft someone like this in the fifth round? 
Um, I think that they saw some of the signs or the flashes we saw because he was productive. Uh, to me, he just wasn't as quick twitch. He had a poor workout at the combine. If I recall, he probably ran close to five flat, Ryan. And, um, I think you're right. Uh, so he didn't have great athletic numbers as an edge rusher. So they may add some weight to him, use him some inside and outside, but I think he's good enough to be a rotational guy. I just wish he played with a little more fire in his belly. Oh, stole Pete Prisco isn't there. Fire in the belly. He said that all the time about Tua lacking. All right, so Rick, last 10 drafts, how many running backs did you take? Seven. Five. Five. Can you name them? I'll give you the easy ones. Dalvin and, and Madison. Yep. The Iowa State kid. <laughs> <laughs> Who's that? I don't know. Who would Iowa State? The, the uh, backup at Iowa State. Oh, uh, Kene Nwangwu? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Nwangwu, who uh, ended up, we took him a lot, tried to, to do what uh, CP Cordero Patterson did for us as a kickoff returner. Mm. He's, I think, had four or five already kickoff returns returned for touchdowns. I know he had one last year. He had two his rookie year. So, uh, but I think with his because of his speed and, and his size, um, so we saw him as a kickoff return and a rotational running back. So that was three. All right. You're filibustering. You know the other two? No. Jarek? Oh, Derek Mc- Jarek McKinnon? Yep. And Red Ellison. Red Ellison wasn't. He was a he was a tight end out of USC. He wasn't a fullback. Oh, he must have been listed like as a like a, a half fullback, back. H-back. Yeah. But he was a tight end. He wasn't a running back. All right. So only four. Then in 2010, you took Toby Gerhardt and Ryan D'Imperio. Yeah, Ryan D. Imperio. Yeah. He was a uh, converted linebacker that came out of Rutgers. Wow. Fullback for us. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. There you go. So you're not quite as uh, running back in love with running backs like John Schneider, your buddy. No, but they, uh, you know, because they've had some durability. I mean, even the Rashad Penny they took in the first round. Yeah. uh, Had some issues with durability. It still does. Yep. Don't tell Debo. That's why they got DeAndre Swift. All right. Yeah, who also has durability issues. <laughs> Don't tell Debo. <laughs> All right, let's go to Arizona, a team that's had a interesting offseason, to say the least. New coach, new general manager, quarterback on the men from ACL, uh, injury slash surgery. You gave the Cardinals a B. I thought they did pretty good in this draft here, all things considered. Would you have given them an A? I would have given them an A for solely taking Michael Wilson in the third round, proving me right and you wrong. But um, God, that's the only dollar you won, I believe. <laughs> You might be right. Uh, that one, and that you could get to uh, Stanford, Connecticut in 45 minutes uh, from New York City. Paris Johnson Jr. at the top. They they did they traded down right out of three. Yeah, they traded down from three, then back into six. They did then, some- no, what happened was they traded down, which I gave I would have gave an A plus plus because of the primary picks they're going to have in the future. They traded to 12, right? Yeah. Then they went back up to six. Gotcha. Detroit traded. And right. we talked about the gamemanship that goes on behind the scenes. Yeah. And when Wither, when Seattle took Witherspoon instead of maybe a Tyreek Hill or a Jalen Carter, um, Witherspoon, I believe, was the ideal fit for Detroit's uh, defensive system and his demeanor. But Detroit was able to trade out and uh, then came back up, I believe, and or was able to move back up to get uh, – Gibbs, but that was the same thing where we saw Pittsburgh trade right ahead of the Jets, but the Jets were not able to trade. Detroit was able to trade out of that uh, to add some more picks. So clearly the Cardinals were targeting Paris Johnson Jr. because they moved. You know, what's interesting is I read some clips and articles on that, that uh, Kyler Murray, that was his favorite guy in the draft and wanted them to draft that. Now, whether that had an influence on them taking or coming back up to get Paris Johnson mm. or not, um, because that would have been interesting to see if they would have not traded back up to get Paris Johnson, if they were still able to land him uh, at the 12th pick. Well, maybe maybe uh, Kyler's looking ahead to next year's draft, specifically Ryan Wilson mock draft 2024 way too early, where they had the first two picks and they take Caleb and Marvin Harrison. Yeah. He wants to make sure he has some protection this year, an opportunity to keep his job. All right, round two, they get B.J. Ojolari, um, a 
a fun, twitchy edge rusher out of LSU. His brother Aziz plays for the Giants. He was also a second-round pick a few years ago. Garrett Williams, my guy, to Syracuse, the cornerback towards ACL late last fall in Did the Notre Dame game. He was a good tackler. Uh, he, he's aggressive. Uh, he could probably be a little cleaner coming downhill. He, he he missed a lot of tackles for me. And not that he wasn't, he was willing, but right. I just think he a just lot of control. many tackles. Yeah, he's also smaller. He plays bigger than he I think he's like 190 or something, 5'11, 190. He plays a little bigger than that. Yeah, no, I'm not going to push back on that. He, he is willing, but he needs to clean it up. Then the best player in this draft, as far as I'm concerned, Michael Wilson, the wide receiver out of Stanford with late in round three. Try to tell Rick that he laughed at, literally laughed in my face. Ha ha ha. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, that's my French, you know, like I can speak multiple languages. Okay, you know, <laughs> no, wait, what wait, is that? I'm laughing at myself here. Yeah, I was gonna say okay. that's, that's so I can speak England. So I can speak Debo, he just said I can speak England. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of a sticky wicket here, mate. Oh, I can God. speak German. I can speak Zimmer for Arthur Aben. I can speak a, this French. This is a rough show for Rick. <laughs> <laughs> He's silly in the offseason. It's like my golf. Like, I was playing good yesterday, and I had one blow-up hole, and it takes me four more holes <laughs> before I get my head out of my arse to figure you, out that, yeah. That yeah, your goat's I, arse? Yeah. Hey, I mean, that's part of the, that's part of the process. Uh, you got to be able to get over. My French com- Go ahead. Oh, oh. oh. that's how they laugh over there in France. Oh, that is okay. Uh, by the way, you would not be a good cornerback. It sounds like if you can't get out of your own head after a bad play or a bad, bad putt or a bad shot. No, like a linebacker, at least you can go hit something and knock. Oh yeah, and knock right. the sense out of you. Corner or not? No. <laughs> if I have one weakness, I get in my head sometimes on the golf course, and I need to get that corrected. Yeah, that's that was one of my big weaknesses as a baseball. If I had player. Paramount Plus, maybe they have a series on uh, golf psychology. They don't, so okay. you're not missing that. You are missing a ton of soccer, though. Um, shout out to Lijay for it. And City beat, uh, I think it was Real Madrid on CBS Sports yesterday in the Europa. Uh, Championship League, Champions League. That's right. And yeah. our guy Lijay Duzable is a huge Man City fan. They they smoked him for nothing. Yeah, he's a bandwagon guy. Yeah, he is a bandwagon guy. All right, John Gaines, the offensive interior offensive lineman at UCLA. They took him in round four. Clayton Toon, the quarterback, interesting. Uh, out of Houston, he can spin it a little bit. He went in round five. There was a run on quarter quarterbacks. I think they ended up being. God, like 12 or 13, I have to double check, but a lot. Owen oh, Popo, a linebacker at Auburn. We didn't talk a lot about him, but I watched him in the fall. I actually liked him. Yep. Uh, one in a long line of sort of undersized athletic uh, linebackers. Keetrell Clark, cornerback out of Louisville, went in round six. I liked him a lot. I thought he was a day two guy, but I was pretty much the only person on that train. Uh, he ends up going in round six. And then Dante Stills, uh, the undersized interior defensive line from West Virginia, in round six. And I think that was their final pick. All right, so I'm assuming you like the, the Paris Johnson Jr. pick. Do you like the way in which they went about getting it? Was that too much? Yeah, no. I think they needed a left tackle, although they, uh, they, you know, it will be interesting to see what they do with D.J. Humphreys because they paid him uh, a contract extension, I think, a year or two ago. So, um, But they're starting a new regime, so I imagine you're going to move up to go get this off left tackle that he's going to be the day one starter for you. Hey, let me ask you, Rick. So, Kelvin Beecham has been there forever. He's the right tackle. Former seventh-round pick out of SMU. Played for the Steelers for a while. Paris Johnson Jr. played right guard in the 2021 season. Yep. How easy is it to go from right guard to right tackle two years later? Is that easier than going from left tackle to right tackle? I think it's easier to play right tackle instead of going from tackle inside the guard. Okay. I think it's easier to make that transition, especially – with how he played left tackle this year, right? That if he does that. They do move him over on the right side. Um, that that's not going to be uh, a very difficult transition for him. Now, this is the uh, I, I use the um, hourlads.com for the the rosters and the depth charts. And I don't know if they get it from the actual website, and it may not matter because that's not official either, as, as you would probably know. They have Harris Johnson Jr. listed at left guard. Now, I don't know if that's a realistic possibility or is that's just something that they scribbled in, the Cardinals did, just to placate the media. But uh, if can you play if you play right guard, can you play left guard? I think, I think, but you don't move up if you're uh, for a guard. <laughs> right, yeah, fair enough. So. <laughs> 
Um, all right. Any other picks you like in this draft? You want to talk about Michael Wilson and his impact on this team? No, I don't like Michael Wilson uh, <laughs> at all. I do like uh, Owen uh, Papoa. Papoi. <laughs> Papo. Papo. <laughs> <laughs> you overcomplicated it. Okay, yeah. What, what yeah, like I do think he's an undersized linebacker that's very instinctive. He uh, does not take on very well in line, um, but mm. he is uh, – Definitely instinctive. He makes a lot of plays when he can free flow to the ball, has excellent range outside, and I thought he was very good athlete in coverage. So I think they potentially got a three-down linebacker here, and that's very good value. I think he went this low uh, because he is undersized, and uh, I don't think he popped out uh, from an athletic standpoint, uh, but he plays a lot faster on tape than he probably ran. Yeah, I liked him as a top 100 guy. When I'm looking back here at my notes here, ended up going late round five, so could indeed be great value. That defense, I'm going through it. They have a lot of guys in that defense who had real name recognition coming out of the draft that just haven't yet materialized, so hopefully it comes together for them because their defense has a chance to be good, but, you know, we'll see. All right, let's go to Los Angeles, take a look at the old Rams here. This, this is, you talk about changing philosophy. Oh, my gosh. No picks to 40,000 picks in the draft. Uh, so their first pick wasn't until uh, pick number 36. And they got Steve Avila, a guy that we liked a lot. Uh, played guard, could play center if you need him to. Then they circle back and round two and get, excuse me, round three, and they get Byron Young, the other Byron Young, the tackle out of Tennessee. A little older, but he he's pretty twitched up. He was a lot of fun to watch in the fall. He was also really good at the Senior Bowl. Uh, then Rick's favorite player, Kobe Turner, went in round three, Wake Forest. Um, credit to him, man. Like, you know, we gave him a hard time. We gave our guy Chris Trapasso a hard time back in the fall or early in the draft process about having him go in one of our mock drafts. He ends up being a, a, a top 89 pick, so uh, we'll see how it works out. He does have some twitch to him, so um, transferred to. I can't remember where he transferred from, but he's transferred, came in, and, and played pretty, pretty well for Wake. Then Stetson Bennett. Quarterback went in round four. I was surprised by that, in part because of his size, in part because of his age, in part because I know he didn't interview great with teams. But uh, if anyone can have success with a quarterback, you would imagine it'd be Sean McVay. Nick Hampton, edge rusher out of App State. We'll see if he has to move inside. He's a little undersized, but he he's athletic and he was a he was a fun guy to watch uh, during the fall. He goes around five. Uh, around later, Warren McClendon, tackle out of Georgia, adds some depth there. Davis Allen, the tight end out of Clemson. He also goes in round five. We saw him at the senior bowl. Not particularly athletic, but he feels like a good inline blocker with some ability to catch the ball as a security blanket. Uh, Puka Nakua, the wide receiver out of BYU, also goes in round five. Uh, a, a tall, pretty athletic, high-point catch guy from BYU. He's not going to run by you, but I think he gives you some depth at the wide receiver position. Uh, Travius Tra 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 excuse me, Hodges Tomlinson, uh, smallish slot guy. Incredibly handsy. He got a ton of down the field penalties. And, you know, Rick's talked about in the past, you can sort of coach those out of players. But when you're that small, it's going to be a, a battle, a slog every single day. Uh, Ochon Mathis, edge rusher on Nebraska. I liked his tape a lot. He ends up going around six. Zach Evans, the running back of the Mississippi. He has a lot, he's great depth there. And of course, uh, the guy who had number one on my board, Ethan Evans, the punter out of Wingate. Uh, he goes in round seven. And then Jason Taylor at Oklahoma State, the safety, also goes around seven. And then finally, Mr. Irrelevant, I believe, Dewan Johnson, defensive lineman out of Toledo. I actually like his tape a little bit. So um, this is a talk about you talk about change of philosophy, Rick. They get some good players, but they still have some some questions to answer, right? Yeah. Well, they just look at the they're rebuilding this roster. You know, they traded away Ramsey. They didn't sign Floyd back. Uh, they didn't sign Bobby Wagner. They got rid of Bobby Wagner, who went back to Seattle. So they're kind of in the rebuild mode. They didn't have a, another uh, first-round pick this year. They accumulated a lot of picks. You talk about darts. They 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 have <laughs> a lot of opportunity to hit on some of these guys. I think this will recreate that energy that Sean McVay has and the mm. coaching staff because of the challenge of having so many young guys on this roster, they're going to want to prove what type of coach Sean McVay is, what type of coach coaches his staff are. Uh, 
and they're going to, they're going to get some value out of a lot of these picks. I love Mathis from Nebraska. If he learns how to just pin his ears back and go, I think he has some pass rush ability. Zach Evans was a great value where they got him in the seventh round. Yeah. They'll add depth to Cam Akers. So um, it'll be interesting to see how these guys all shake out. I think Avila is a starting day one starter, either a guard or center, wherever they end up putting him. Yep. And uh, so they're in the rebuild mode, but this is the type of draft and the type of offseason that the Rams drafted, I would say, volume. Hmm. And now the coaches get an opportunity to prove to make some of these players into players that are going to help them get back to where they need to be. By the way, the entire Rams special teams, the, the punter, the place kicker, the long snapper, the holder, kickoff and punt returner, all rookies. It's so. going to be a young team, so it's going to be a growing year for them. Um, but it'll be, like I said, it energizes that franchise to with all this these new faces, all this young blood coming in to uh, start developing them and see how we can grow as a as an organization. You know, it'll be interesting to see how they go about this year, and then with Stafford and his age. Um, right. if they go quarterback next year to put with this, uh, with this extremely large, uh, draft class, I was going to say, you talk about quarterback. What do you think Stetson Bennett playing for Sean McVay can have a Brock Purdy type situation? Uh, I don't know that. Um, you know, but Sean McVay, uh, has been okay with quarterbacks. I don't know if he's in the Shanahan category yet, right. but he is good with quarterbacks. So it'll be interesting to see. I don't know if, uh, Bennett is talented enough to be that, uh, you know, guy that's going to lead him to championships down the road. But we probably would have said the same thing about Purdy last year. Yeah, I mean, Purdy was athletic two years ago, coming out, uh, but the year before he came out, and you know, there's some buzz about him. There was never really any sort of draft buzz about Setson Bennett, but I think that's because he's been along, been around for so long, and he is undersized. And the funny thing is, like. You know, it felt like in the moment that McVay got the most out of Jared Goff, but Jared Goff got to Detroit, and he's been better than Matthew Stafford on the whole. Obviously, Matthew Stafford won a Super Bowl, but and has battled injuries. But I think that Jared's played with more consistently. Consistency. Yeah, but Jared Goff also got them to a, a Super Bowl too. Right. No, that's right. That's contract right. extension. So let's not beat up Jared Jared Golf too bad. I'm not beating him up at all. I'm yeah, actually. You are. You're very grouchy today. <laughs> he's he's my he's my the quarterback of my new favorite team. <laughs> With, with, with your new favorite brother <laughs> employs my favorite Spielman. Yeah. Your new favorite Spielman, my new favorite Spielman. All right. One more team here. The 49ers. Uh, we just talked about them with their quarterback situation. They're still sorting through as Brock Purdy recovers from elbow surgery. And then of course, Trey Lance, what do you do with him? Shanahan's the coach. Um, you gave him a C plus and at the top, why my things are all messed up here. So let's go with what, so Jair Brown, the cornerback uh, slash safety at a, at a, Penn State, I think he's more nickel, deep safety guy. Uh, they took him in round three. I don't mind that pick. Jake Moody, the kicker out of Michigan at the bottom of round three. That's curious. We'll, we'll see. Uh, you, you need a kicker, but sometimes it, it's hard to – and I'll ask you about this in a second, Rick. Cameron Latu, the tight end out of Alabama. You know him. We saw him at the pro day. We talked to him. Um, I believe we talked to him at the combine. Daryl Luter, um, the cornerback out of South Alabama. He was at the Senior Bowl. A little stiff, but he's long. Robert Bill Jr., the edge rusher. Uh, who has a little juice. He's sort of a one-trick pony guy. D. Winters, the linebacker at TCU. He goes in round six. I thought the first three quarters of his season didn't blow me away. The last few games, he really played well. Braden Willis, a tight end out of Oklahoma. He's more of a, a H-back. Um, he will block his butt off. He's a little undersized. Um, he reminded me of Kyle Juszczyk, so it makes sense he goes to San Francisco. Ronnie Bell, the wide receiver out of Michigan. Um, could be a little more athletic, not as athletic as you would want, but that's why he goes in the seventh round. And then Jalen Graham, linebacker out of Purdue, uh, also in the seventh round. I, I liked him a lot when I watched Purdue. I, I think he could be a sneaky good pick here, certainly a lot of value. So, Rick, what did the analytics tell you about drafting kickers early? Because sometimes you take a kicker early, like uh, Robert Aguayo in Tampa Bay went in the second round, however long ago that was. That was a disaster from day one. Is there something you look at when you when – you, try to get these kickers or you just listen to the special teams coach? Well, you're asking the wrong dude because there you go. <laughs> I've been through a lot of kickers and, uh, 
then the one that hit, I ended up, we ended up cutting. <laughs> I should say that's my responsibility. Now he's an all pro kicker. Carl. You can say we, you're not, yeah. you're, you're not employed anymore with the team. So you can say, yeah. we. I, I will take the hit for that uh, because he missed those kicks. The second, his second professional game in green Bay. And he missed a lot of kicks though. Daniel Carson, right? Three kicks uh, that could have won up there in overtime. Yeah. Uh, and then fans were all over him and, and I don't know, you know, probably should have been more patient. We should have been more patient and we weren't. So, so he was know. pick 168. How did you decide to take him? Or again, was that a, a special teams? Leaning yeah, we had there? a lot of times I really, you know, again, I'm fully responsible, but I relied on a lot All of right. special we get that part. coaches and, uh, I always kind of related it to, uh, a golfer. Um, yeah. you know, uh, so, we, you know, the one kicker that we drafted that uh, one of the producers, which I won't say his name, keeps playing in my Jack, head. Jack Capardo. <laughs> yeah. Okay, we'll call Jack out on the podcast. <laughs> Blair Walsh, 28 yard field goal to advance in the playoffs. Why hey, left? <laughs> not to uh, go too deep down that road. From your vantage point in the in the suites, I'm assuming you're. This is at the uh, Minnesota Gopher Stadium, right? Yeah, it was like minus 17 without the wind chill that game. Did you know immediately, or did you think he made it? I thought he, it, he made it. I thought he made it. Oh and no! Yeah, uh, from where I was sitting up there, right? Because some was, fans thought the same thing, and then they had to be informed that it, the ball, in fact, did not go through the uprights. Yeah, no, that was a that was a tough one. And, uh, <laughs> Thanks, Jack. Yeah, Jack continues to remind me of that uh, every show that we do. Uh, or he'll play that uh, Paul Allen. Unbelievable. Famous, yeah, line on. He missed it. <laughs> oh, he even plays the. He even plays Paul oh, Allen. He the, goes back and plays Paul Allen the replay. Uh, Paul Allen is the uh, longtime voice of the Vikings. He's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, one of the best, if not the best in the league, in my opinion. His call of the end of the Vikings-Bills game last year, if you're a Vikings fan, it's, it's a lot of fun to listen to. If you're a Bills fan, not so much. Uh, but, yeah, he is a institution, and I'm sure it it greatly pained him to have to make that call. Um, so, in terms of Jake Moody, are you okay with this pick, third round, 99? Uh, let, let us, let's play it out. All right. I think there are a lot of pretty good players up there, but – you have to give credit to, you know, you got to add McCaffrey into this. <laughs> For sure. You know, and they were pretty aggressive and free agency. The only thing I didn't like about this draft is that I don't know who's going to play right tackle for him. They lost uh, mm. McGlinchey yep. uh, to Denver, and they did not draft. They drafted a kicker in the third round when a Wani Morris was still there. Yeah, you know. Um I was looking through who was left. Blake Freeland, Dewan Jones, Carter Warren from Pittsburgh, you know, Dewan Jones, Ohio State. We've talked about him. Freeland, the guy you kind of like from BYU. Yeah. They were all sitting there and they went kicker instead. Uh, so does that give you some indication, just you know, knowing in the media what we know that there were some concerns with maybe Blake Freeland's ability to gain weight or maybe Dewan Jones' motivation? Because the idea of Trent Williams and Dewan Jones on an offensive line on paper right. is very intriguing. Yeah, no, they probably had issues, but right now they're starting right tackle is, uh, you know, McKivitz, who came out of West Virginia, who hasn't really played much. So right. they must have a lot of, they know a lot more about him than we do on the outside. But right now he's slated to go in as their starting right tackle. And they have, they don't have any depth behind Trent Williams either. Right now it's, it's Matt Pryor and, and Leroy Watson. And yeah, boy. Yeah. So that, that is a legitimate concern for sure. Uh, fair enough. That's why you gave him C plus. Any other picks that uh, stuck out to you that you liked? Uh, no. Oh, the Braden Braden Willis. <laughs> I do. I loved him as a player because I oh, think good. he could play fullback. He could play H back. Uh, he's athletic. He's an aggressive blocker, undersized. But he, you know, they even lined him up as a wildcat quarterback and snapped the ball to him a few times on the tapes that I watched at Oklahoma. I thought this guy was a really really good football player. No, I'm with you. I like him a lot too. I was surprised that he didn't get a little more buzz, but um, you know, that's why I'm me and everyone else is everyone else. All right, Rick, next week we're gonna take a look at some impact rookies and impact rookie classes. So that'll be fun. We're gonna keep mixing up here as we look back at the 2023 draft class before we move ahead to 2024. 
Uh, it's May 18th now. Before you know it, Rick will be in training camp, and this thing will be starting all over. But uh, for now, that's a wrap on episode 52. Remember, give us a thumbs up if you're watching on YouTube. Subscribe to the podcast. Leave a five-star review. Thanks, as always, to my guy, Rick, who has yet to get his Paramount Plus subscription. We'll see what happens on Monday. Come back for that. Thanks for Devo to producing. And thanks to you guys for watching and listening. What, what, I, I did win Chapstick today, though, for being a participant, a supporting actor participant. And let me tell you, you gave a Chapstick worthy effort today. So I want to applaud you for that. <laughs> $2.19. Thank you very much. Debo, the uh, post office is now open on the island, so you can send that Chapstick right to my home address. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing from Debo. All right, we're out of here. Thank you, everyone. Have a good weekend. We'll see you on Monday. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. Are you still listening? Good. Take a deep breath. You needed a break. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. So, yes, you can literally stream a stream. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation.